Hello and welcome to SigmaCast, a series of interviews and discussions with prominent healthcare providers from around the world. My name is Dr. Matt Howard, the Director of Scholarship Resources at Sigma. Today we'll be continuing our overarching discussion of mental health issues, this time particularly focusing on future healthcare providers. We are joined today by some of the authors of a recent publication from Sigma's Worldviews on Evidence-Based Nursing titled Prevalence and Correlates of Depression, Anxiety, Stress, Healthy Beliefs, and Lifestyle Behaviors in First-Year Graduate Health Science Students by authors including Dr. Jacqueline Hoying and Bernadette Melnick. Thank you both for joining us today. Thanks, Matt. Happy to be here. Hello, Dr. Hoying. Could you tell the audience a little bit about yourself, please? Sure. So I serve as, a fa as faculty and also the director of the MindStrong program here at The Ohio State University. I've worked as a nurse scientist and a behavior interventionist along with Dr. Melnick for the past several years. Prior to that, I did my dissertation work with Dr. Melnick and worked with the COPE program, creating opportunities for personal empowerment at that time. I continue to facilitate MindStrong as an interventionist and I work as a PI on Dr. Melnick's research team. Dr. Melnick, could you please tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Yes, I am both a pediatric nurse practitioner with an adolescent specialty, as well as a psychiatric nurse practitioner. I'm also a heavy-duty nurse researcher an expert in evidence-based practice, mental health, interventions to promote healthy lifestyle behaviors, and mental health in children, teens, college students, and clinicians. And I left sunny Arizona nine years ago to be the first chief wellness officer appointed at a university in the United States. I also serve as Dean of Ohio State's College of Nursing. Thank you again for both being here with us today. Dr. Hoying, could you provide our listeners a synopsis of this particular article? Sure. In looking at graduate and professional students, we, we were interested in that first year student's experience. We know that they have a higher than average rate of depression, and we wanted to focus on that and to take a look at the prevalence of depression along with anxiety and stress and their healthy lifestyle behaviors and beliefs in that first year student coming into college and to take a look at that experience. Yes. What was the purpose of this study? Why this particular group? Well, we have to remember mental health issues have become a public health epidemic. We have over 50% of college students now reporting anxiety, depressive symptoms, and suicide is the second leading cause of death in 10 to 34-year-olds. We still live 
in a sick care healthcare system. And we need to change that to one of prevention and wellness. We know health sciences students tend to experience even higher levels of anxiety and depression than the general population of college students. So the aims of this particular study were to examine the prevalence of depression, anxiety, physical health, and healthy lifestyle behaviors in our own health sciences students at Ohio State. We also wanted to describe the relationship among those variables, because that was a real gap in the literature. How does depression and anxiety relate to healthy lifestyle beliefs and healthy lifestyle behaviors? And finally, our third aim was to determine what variables predicted depression and anxiety in these students. How was this study conducted? Well, here at Ohio State, we are fortunate to have seven health profession colleges, and those include the College of Dentistry, Medicine, Nursing, Optometry, Pharmacy, Social Work, and Veterinary Medicine. We were able to conduct our study across the health professions, and we looked at, for this first paper, a descriptive correlational study design and concerned ourselves with the baseline data that we saw in these first-year graduate health science stu students. We were able to analyze that with some interesting results. What were those interesting results? So what we found was that 17% of these students that were just starting their professional programs in those disciplines that Jackie mentioned reported heightened depressive symptoms. We expected to find high anxiety, and we did. About 14% of our students reported high anxiety. However, there were a higher percentage of students reporting depression than anxiety. In fact, 6.6% of students starting their health sciences programs reported suicidal ideation. Now, if we would not have screened those students, we may have seen higher numbers of suicides. The other thing we found in this study was the higher level of anxiety and depression, the less these students engage in healthy behaviors. And that makes a lot of sense. Think about that. 
when you consider people who are depressed or anxious, they don't believe they can engage in the healthy lifestyle behaviors and they don't participate in things like physical activity, healthy eating, stress reduction strategies. So a really important implication in this study, besides the fact that we need to screen incoming students for mental health issues, is the fact that you've got to deal with the anxiety and the depression before you expect students to pick up their healthy lifestyle behaviors. So this mental health piece is so key. The other thing that we found was that there were certain variables that predicted anxiety and depression. A lack of control that these students sense was a predictor of depression and anxiety. That makes a lot of sense too. If we don't feel a sense of control over, say, being successful in graduate school, we're going to experience more anxiety and depression. So those were some of the real interesting findings from this study. What are your recommendations? Well, I think as Dr. Melnick has talked about, there's two other statistics. She mentioned one, and I will talk about the other one. Certainly that suicide is the leading cause of death in college age youth. If we listen to the World Health Organization, they describe depression as being the leading cause of illness by the year 2030. And that was prior to the current pandemic environment that we find ourselves in today. Looking along those lines then, I would reinforce the fact that screening is essential. Screening upon entry into that first year uh, graduate students practice. And then being able to deliver an evidence-based cognitive behavioral skills building program that's evidence-based, such as MindStrong. It really does two things. I think that it, it provides for students who are not exhibiting symptoms. It certainly provides a preventive protective factor and may help improve their mental resilience. The other piece that it does for the student that's mild to moderate anxious or depressed, we see over and over again statistically significant results in decreasing their anxiety and stress and building some strong coping skills that will sustain them through their lifestyle. And then finally, I think for the students that we find, as Dr. Melnick mentioned, who are in additional need of evaluation and further treatment, certainly then we have an opportunity to get them in, in for additional intensive treatment. I think it is so important, again, when students begin their health sciences programs to do that initial screen. Let's not wait until students are experiencing real crisis. Um, let's screen them coming in 
let's provide evidence-based programming to them. So six years ago, we started what we call this wellness onboarding program for our health sciences students across all seven health sciences colleges. So within two weeks of starting at Ohio State, they have an opportunity to participate in this wellness onboarding program. If they consent, they complete this wonderful wellness assessment that includes all of the measures that we used in this study. They then are given the opportunity to get paired with the nurse practitioner student who serves as their wellness coach for a semester. And as part of that wellness coaching, the nurse practitioner students are trained to deliver this evidence-based MindStrong program. So again, at Ohio State, we take a great preventive early intervention approach to improving the physical and mental well-being of our students. We're shifting the paradigm here. In fact, Jackie led the development of a course that's one credit. And Jackie, you might talk a little bit more about that and how that's going now. Oh, sure. Thanks, Bern. In following the Chief Wellness Officer's vision for providing prevention and wellness, we wanted to make that opportunity available across the university. And so we expanded that to include any undergraduate or graduate student who wanted to receive the MindStrong program. And they're now available to take that for a one credit hour. And it incorporates the entire program in those seven weeks. And so they're able to once a week receive the session and complete the practice that's so important as a part of that component and then uh, enables them to finish that and carry on with those life skills that they have developed. In addition, we are further adding that to include our adult population and currently are offering uh, this session the MindTrunk program to faculty and staff. And that has gone really, really well. People are very engaged and very interested in helping their own mental resilience and health. Why are the findings of this study especially important now in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic? We had an epidemic of mental health issues prior to the pandemic. We're going to see a greater escalation in these problems, not just for healthcare clinicians, but for everybody. We're already seeing alcohol use is on the rise right now. Interpersonal violence is on the rise. We're going to see a lot more depression. I think we're going to see more suicide following this pandemic. So again, 
universities across the country right now everybody's looking at do we bring our students back physically to campus this fall we have had a transition back to campus pandemic task force that has been reviewing all the evidence on how we do this but in addition to classroom distancing do we wear masks all of the particulars around prevention of spread we have a whole goal devoted to the mental health and well-being of our students faculty and staff that's where we've been quite unique other campuses look at all these other specifics but we know mental health issues are going to escalate and we're preparing for how to better prevent it and intervene early did you find any differences in gender in your data specifically with nurses being disproportionately female now we do know females tend to experience higher rates of depression and anxiety we haven't looked at those gender differences yet but i think it's a really good idea to do a secondary data analysis to look at those differences the other thing i'd like to look at do these these variables differ by profession that would be another interesting thing to really look at the average age of the students in our study was 24.5 years 74 percent were non-hispanic white but again it'd be interesting to look at are there race ethnic differences between the prevalence of anxiety and depression so jackie i think we have some more fun work to do absolutely that sounds great can you tell us a little bit about the screening tools you chose for this study specifically the patient health questionnaire nine and the general anxiety disorder both of those tools have a very high uh, validity and reliability rate so they're well published and they certainly stand the test of time and they're very specific and accurate in this particular age population as well in addition that always warms a researcher's heart i believe is that they are uh, free in the public domain and so they're downloadable um, we encourage them as screening tools uh, when you look initially at depression and, and anxiety whether that's in a clinic setting or a primary care provider certainly uh, we use them for the screening as they come into that first year burden is also something we have to consider as yeah. researchers and so you want to use tools that are not only valid and reliable but also are short mm -hmm. because in today's world i think there are a lot of people experiencing survey fatigue is what we call it too many surveys 
So you want to make your surveys as streamlined as you can with short, valid, and reliable instruments. How did the participants receive these particular tools? We build them in the software that we use is REDCap, but they're built online and it's adapted for cell phone use or a laptop. And so they can take that either way. They can either get on their laptop or they can answer them actually on their phone. It's in that format as well. What do you really want to make sure people know about this particular study? It is critical to screen. And when students begin their programs, catch issues on their way in. So something can be done about these issues early. We need to, again, switch that paradigm to one of prevention and early intervention. Students take a variety of subjects, but what is more important than giving our students life skills? Because that's gonna create the foundation for the rest of adult life. So through such programs, it's MindStrong, this evidence-based cognitive behavior therapy program that can be delivered by non-psychiatric providers, give them the mental resiliency through this CBT skills building program that they can use to combat stress, depression, and anxiety the rest of their lives. We know CBT works. It's the gold standard evidence-based treatment for mild to moderate depression and anxiety, but so few people get it, which is why 25 years ago, I started to create this program, taking key concepts from cognitive behavior therapy, manualizing them so they would be easily scalable. So we could build these skills in students all across the world. We wouldn't send a construction worker into a work site without a hard hat. How can we send our students throughout life without building good resiliency coping skills? Thank you to our guests, Dr. Jacqueline Hoying and Dr. Bernadette Melnick for generously sharing your time and expertise with us today. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And to our listeners, as always, if you have any questions, please visit our website at www.sigmanursing.org forward slash education. And thank you for listening.